guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Welcome to episode 169 of We Turned Out Okay. Today is a Just You and Me episode because we are going to be here, just you and me, learning about some aspect of parenting. And today, I'm really excited to bring this one to you. It is about siblings and sibling rivalry. And I've had this really nice email conversation with a listener going back and forth for, oh, several weeks, maybe even a month or two now. Listener Stephanie, hello, if you're out there listening. And Stephanie has an issue that a lot of you guys have, which is she's got three kids. She's married. She's got a job. She's you know, kind of living this harried American life that, or at least, you know, kind of Western society life that that is very, very difficult to get away from. And one of the things I want to do is help with that. So I recommended immediately as soon as we started talking, I think, I hope Stephanie, I did the book Siblings Without Rivalry. And it's it's such a great resource. I mean, I learned so much about myself and my own childhood and my, my, you know, how to handle kids. And I didn't even come into contact with this book until I was a parent already. I was, I was pregnant with my second when I read Siblings Without Rivalry. And so anyway, Stephanie, I really hope you're enjoying it. I understand you've got it now so you can listen to it in the car. And I was looking back in the archives, because I'm trying to make July be, it won't all be archived things, but at least, well, at least I don't think it will. But some of it is as I'm working to get some stuff ready for you all for the beginning of the school year. And I came across episode 007, which always cracks me up because it makes me think of James Bond. And it's called, the episode was originally called, When Siblings Attack, Stopping the Rivalry. And I realized this is this is like such a great episode for a few reasons. First of all, you can't see it in iTunes anymore because it's episode seven of the podcast. So it's like it's gone off of iTunes servers. They only take so many episodes. So it's not searchable in iTunes. And anybody who listens there is struggling to find it right now or maybe doesn't even know of its existence. So I wanted to bring it to you for that reason. And the other reason is because I now own the book Siblings Without Rivalry and I, I pulled it off the shelf and I thought, hmm, maybe I should do another show about it or a show about it. And then I realized, hey, you know what? I've already got a show about it. So I have not listened to this one in a while. It was first broadcast on May the 26th, 2015. So we're talking more than two years ago. And I'm going to be willing to bet that not an awful lot has changed in the world of sibling rivalry between now and then. I think that some of the podcasty things have changed, maybe like I'm a lot more comfortable on the mic now than I was then. So you may hear some, I don't even know, I haven't listened back to it. You may hear some hesitation, you may hear some nerves, goodness knows what you'll hear. (laughs) But I think it's in a way, I think it's good to see how far you can, you can progress when you do something like this. Because 
nothing springs into the world fully formed. I mean, we had a pretty good idea when we started back in May of what we wanted to do with We Turned Out Okay, but it wasn't fully formed. And even now, I think it's still evolving. For example, there wasn't, when this first came out, there were no Just You and Me episodes. So it's a 36-minute episode originally. And it was it was tagged with a few different things and now it's like this is such a clear just you and me episode because it's because it's of its content and because of you know the way it's recorded so uh, the other thing i was just thinking about is i have asked you you lovely wonderful awesome people for reviews in itunes because that's how podcasts get known and and i've spent a couple episodes asking for that and you have delivered and i'm going to read one of them today and just thank you so much if you have gone over there and written a review. I'm going to try and be better about about thanking you guys on the air for this because this is like, this is what makes podcasting fun. Um, when you hear back from people who are getting your, they, you know, getting your vibe and, and kind of getting help from you. I mean, this is really, really exciting. So please, if you have not left a review, please go to iTunes and and leave one. And you know what? I'm actually going to make it. I'm going to go into the 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 when I make the notes for this episode, which I'm going to do today. I will put the link to iTunes in there, so you can go in and and just write a quick quick rating, quick review. It can be one sentence. The one I'm going to read today is more than one sentence, and I just love it. The title is "I'm a Believer Now," and it's from Seashell Carb, which I think is such a great. People come up with the best names on in iTunes. Anyway, Seashell Carb writes. I was afraid of this podcast because its title resembled some of the annoying fallacies that I hear from many people I know. I, insert your thing, drove without a seatbelt, was spanked, played in a field of hemlock, and I'm okay. I was afraid of this kind of logical fallacy, and so I avoided this podcast, and I'm sorry I did. We Turned Out Okay is very much in line with the simplicity, parenting, and kids in nature trend that I appreciate and benefit from. The podcaster's voice is great, and her advice and insight is excellent. Try it. What a, what, what a nice thing to go in there and read. I mean, first of all, I actually chose the name because it is a little bit provocative. Like people, lots of people see Shell Carb, not just you, have these memories of like, well, you know, I got the crap beat out of me when I was a kid and I turned out okay. And, and sometimes people will use that as an excuse to then beat up their own children, which is just sickening to me. And I wanted to take that and make it playful. So for example, like I was envisioning people saying, well, I, I climbed trees when I was a kid and I turned out okay, because a lot of people won't let their kids climb trees now. And and a lot of people are afraid of things that we just should not be afraid of. And so that's kind of why I chose the name. And I'm, I'm so glad that you decided to try it. And I'm curious, Seashell Carb, if you would write to me, Karen at WeTurnedOutOK.com or go to the contact page at WeTurnedOutOK.com. I'm so curious about like, what made you change your mind? Like, why did you eventually give it a try? And even how did you find us? Um, and why did you give it a try? I would love to hear from you uh, and, and find out some of the answers to those questions. So in the meantime, Everybody, thanks so much for listening. It, it means so much that you have us in your ears right now, that you have me in your ears. And I I can't thank you enough. Uh, and also, I cannot thank enough the 
19, no, sorry, ooh, the 20 time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, <laughs> Benjamin Culp. We had our anniversary recently and we celebrated just the two of us after 20 years with a visit to Puerto Rico where we stayed in the rainforest and we watched beach sunsets and we, we, we had a really, really good time reconnecting. And I, uh, I just love you, Ben, so much. And everybody, I love you too. And uh, here's, I hope you enjoy this episode. I really hope it works for you and resonates with you. I think it's going to be really helpful. All right. Talk to you soon. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Here we are at episode seven. Exciting stuff. I just want to start today with the feedback that I've been getting from people, which has just been truly amazing. Uh, I wanted to read you some, or maybe even all, of the iTunes reviews that I've gotten since I, you know, was in here last week, since I was podcasting last week. I guess, so the thing about iTunes is that it's how iTunes, apparently 80% of podcasts are listened to through iTunes. So in order to be noticed in the podcasting world, which I think everybody would want that, uh, you want to be able to reach as many people to help as many people as possible, you need really positive iTunes reviews. And I'll tell you, my, you guys, this group, these old school parents, you are really coming through for us here at We Turned Out Okay. I'm going to read them all because I'm so excited about this. So I read two last week and I won't reread those even though they were awesome. Uh, the next one is by Ian Johnson. He says, great cast, insightful and fun. Can't wait to hear more. I love all those exclamation points, Ian. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're listening. Practical and fun is the review by RJ Mex. And she says, or he, I guess, could be he or she. Even the concept of this podcast is useful these days and the delivery brings tips and suggestions to life. Great show. Oh, thank you so much, RJ Mex. John Soda 7 says, great. My wife and I listened and enjoyed all the great info. We started with episode three and plan to listen to all of them. Episode three, guys, by the way, guys and girls, is the Michael O'Neill episode. And it is, it's a really fun episode. He doesn't even have kids, or at least he says, he starts off by saying, I don't even have any kids that I know about <laughs> that I'm aware of. But anyway, um, it's a really fun episode, just with a lot of kind of hearkening back to our own childhoods and how they translate, how they might translate to the kind of parents we are. It's, or, well, Michael's not a parent, but he's a parent of a dog, I guess. So thank you very much, John Soda 07. I really appreciate that you're listening and reviewing. And by the way, these guys, these are all five-star reviews. I mean, these are people who really are, are enjoying this show. Bob Nolly says, parents, carve out some time. Karen is really onto something here. I look at these the lives parents lead today and the task lists they generate for themselves and their children, and I think, I don't remember it this way. Nostalgic and developmental, all in the same breath. Keep it up, Karen. Thank you so much, Bob Nolly. I will. Thank you, thank you. And NM Giovanna says, I'm thoroughly enjoying Karen's approach to the topic and her engaging storytelling interview style. I'll be tuning in for more from her. Oh, thank you so much, NM Giovanna. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And the next one is called How We Learn, Etc. And I know this is Zy Wolf, but I happen to know that Zy Wolf is Daniel Wolf, who uh, was interviewed last week on this show in episode 005, episode five, no, episode six, episode six. And Daniel Wolf says, in all modesty, bravo, Karen, for her hard and good work. Thank you so much, 
Daniel Wolf. It really means a lot to me that that you all would take the time to come on over to iTunes and rate and review. It it really helps us get to so many more people, just reach so many more people. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's so gracious and wonderful that that people are getting something out of it. I feel like we're hitting a nerve here. And we're filing today's podcast under Kids Through the Ages because it's all about what we can expect our kids to do at certain times in their lives and in certain situations. When I ask parents what they're struggling with, what they need help with, something that comes up again and again, and it's very basic, it's, it it's, shouldn't surprise me that it comes up again and again, but it's sibling jealousy. The things that kids do to each other to get our attention, I mean, that's really the root of a lot of sibling jealousy. The, the things that, I mean, if you think back to your own childhood, you know, I'm sure there were times when you felt jealous or whatever. And what did you do with that? You probably didn't go over and give your sibling a hug, right? And then another kind is, is that new baby jealousy kind where I can remember my mom tells a story about when my, when our third sibling came along, when, the, when their third child was born, our middle brother used to stand at his crib and say that he, he, he would say, I want you to go back where you came from. Because, you know, a new sibling in the house is a pretty scary thing. So we're going to kind of get into that a little bit today. I'm going to go into the second book of the Fab Five, the Fabulous Five, uh, which are five books that I really want you all listening to read. If you're, I hope you're readers, because, you know, what I would always do over the whole course of my life, if, if something new is coming up for me, that I need help with, I am running to a book. In fact, uh, we're looking into getting a dog. We've, I, I was the last holdout and it looks like we're probably going to get a dog. And I decided that if I'm going to get a dog, I'm going to, I'm going to know everything I possibly can know about dogs and training them and helping them become part of the family and where do they sleep and how do you train them and how do they train you all those kinds of things. I books are so key to me and you don't you don't have to sit down and read a book these days, right? You can you can have a book on audio. You can listen to it while you're commuting whenever you're not listening to us, of course. You can you know, there are lots of ways to consume books and books are just so great. And these five too, the other great thing about these fa- the fabulous five is they're ex- extremely entertaining. They're not just whatever like standard, not standard, but like substandard books that you just feel like you have to get through. You are going to be turning these pages or listening to whenever you can. So the first book on the Fab Five is How Lincoln Learned to Read by Daniel Wolf. Yes, I interviewed him last week. He was on the show last week. And uh, it's a book, How Lincoln Learned to Read is, it, it looks in depth at the childhoods of several historical figures in American history. So starting with Ben Franklin and going all the way through, through like Sojourner Truth and uh, Rachel Carson and John F. Kennedy and Elvis, he ends with Elvis. And what he's exploring in this book is how did these adults, how when they became adults, what was it about their childhoods that influenced them to become the adults that they became? And what I find on every page of this book is that I am thinking about how can I help my kids become who they need to be? 
And so I think how, reading How Lincoln Learned to Read has really influenced the educational choices we make with our kids. And and just the, you know, it, it kind of gives me more of a an aid in helping see, you know, who they might become. Uh, because they have such they have such unique and wonderful skills and knowledge and interests, they are going to be whatever they're going to be. I know they're going to be happy, and that's really most important. Because partly because of my influence from this book, How Lincoln Learned to Read. So thank you very much, Daniel Wolf, for writing it. It's awesome. The second book, the one that we're going to get into more in depth today, is called Siblings Without Rivalry by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. You may or may not have heard of this book. It's a it's been around for a long time, I think probably ten or fifteen years, and it is just the most influential book. Once you read this book, even as you're reading it, you'll start to feel like you understand the messages that your kids are sending you when they are doing things that, like, we may not look at it this way, but where they're doing things that that can be expected of them given the situations that they're in. So given that, you know, sibling jealousy, that's going to produce a couple of reactions, and they really go into those reactions and how to handle them in this book. So, oh, please go read it. Plus, it's, it's, it's a great book also because not only are there, the chapters are really informative, they are not luxury at all. Instead, what happens is you get real parents trying to explain their struggles. And and sometimes the parents are the writers, the authors of the book. I mean, they have some situations that come up with their own kids because nobody is immune to dealing, you know, less than well with with their kids. So they even go into depth in their own issues sometimes, which is really great. And they also have comics. There, there are pages in each chapter that are basically comic strips to help parents see what to do and maybe what not to do. They're just, it's just such a great book. So please go get it and read it. The next one is called, I love this title, Cinderella Ate My Daughter by Peggy Orenstein. And that is on the list because I think it's a book for all parents. I don't have any girls and I read this book. In fact, I was enjoying reading it so much that my now 14-year-old, I think he was about 11, he wanted to read it too. So he read it. And then he was recommending it to parents on the playground and that kind of thing. Um, Cinderella Ate My Daughter is Peggy Orenstein's kind of response to when she has a, she has a young daughter. And what she's noticing is that her young daughter is responding so much to like the Disney princess mentality. And, and but it, it really does go beyond that. Um, it gets into gender identity. How do kids know which gender they are? How do they reinforce that for themselves? Hint, it doesn't have to do with private parts. <laughs> That's not what they think of. They think of like, what does your hair look like? What kind of clothes do you wear? What kind of toys do you play with? This all gets into this sort of gender identity. And she takes it all the way through to adulthood. Because what kids are learning as children is really influencing them as they grow up to be adults. And then, it, it you know, it, it kind of goes from there. It's a, anyway, a really great book. It's hilarious. There is a scene, which I still, <laughs> I still think of sometimes, in which she, Peggy Orenstein and her daughter, her little daughter are in an airport and her daughter is begging for a Bratz doll. And Peggy Orenstein cannot buy her this Bratz doll. And anyway, it's a, it's a great, it's a great little section and a great, fantastic book. So thank you so much, Peggy Orenstein. I love this book. It's really influenced my parenting. And I know it will influence yours, listeners, too. So the fourth book on the list is called Free Range Kids. It's by Lenore Skenazy. You have heard me uh, read from this book on the show 
you have, if you're lucky, you've already heard of it. She's also got a great website where she talks about kind of the current events and the, the ways that parents are being hemmed in right now, today, because it's it's a little scary. You know, you hear about things like these these parents who in, I feel like it's in Pennsylvania or somewhere on the East Coast, who they allow their, I think it was 10 and 6-year-olds to walk to the park, which is not a, an outrageously long way away, and walk home, and they have been arrested for this twice, not once, but twice now. Craziness. Craziness that in our safe country, we cannot have kids walking to the park and from the park. You know, kids used to be like, at 10 years old, kids were apprenticed to what they were going to do for the rest of their lives in, in the 17, 1800s. You know, what we're, anyway, Free Range Kids, before I go off on a rant, is all about how to feel safer in this world with your while well, raising kids. And I, I need you guys to go and get this book and read it. It's fantastic. And the fifth one is called, I love the name of this one too. It's called You Just Don't Understand by Deborah Tannen. And actually, I first read this book as a college student. And it's really influenced my thinking about how people speak to each other all this time. So through all of this time, because the book, is, Deborah Tannen is a linguist and um, she's, she's a communications expert, a language expert, and in terms of like interpersonal communication. And this book, you just don't understand, while it's written, it's really written for adults about adults, you know, adults were children once too. And I think in, for that way, it will, it will have a huge influence on how you raise your kids and how you speak to them. And not just that, but with all your relationships. So these are five books that will have you making great decisions about your parenting. They'll have you not just reacting, but consciously shaping your kids' behavior. You'll really be thinking about, about what you're doing. And I don't mean in the way of like, everything I do has an influence and, and, you know, I can't make any mistakes. I mean that as you go along, you're going to be, your eyes will be opened to the incredible world of like positive parenting. There's so much out there that, that makes it better, makes it more fun. It'll make your relationships better. Anyway, read these five books and enjoy them. Um, and I want you to read them in whatever order feels right to you. We are all at different points in our, in our parenting. And you know, so pick the one that seems like it's gonna, they're, they're all quite practical and they're all about different aspects of life. You know, how Lincoln learned to read is really about learning and how we learn what we need to know. Siblings Without Rivalry is about making things better between our children or even our adult sibling relationships. Cinderella 8, my daughter, is about gender identity and, and everything around that. Free Range Kids is about feeling safer with your kids as they go off into life and letting them be a little bit more independent. And You Just Don't Understand is about our interpersonal relationships. And they're, they're five very entertaining, critical reads. So please go out and get them and read them. And anyway, now we'll return to today's book that we're going into in depth, the second book of the Fab Five. It is Siblings Without Rivalry. Doesn't that, isn't that a great title? And doesn't it sometimes seem just impossible? I wanted to share, I mean, I wanted to share one particular situation in our home that happened years ago. It is one of many, you know, I'm not perfect. And I think this show is really a lot about like, what mistakes did I make that I can help you not make? And 
So anyway, this particular situation happened when the kids were about probably 10, maybe nine, maybe Max was nine or 10. And Jay, in that case, was five or six. And what happened was we decided as a family just to entertain ourselves one night to have this sort of silly little family Olympics. And we were each taking turns doing things like, I don't know, racing up and down the hall. Who could, who could, with the stopwatch, who could do it the fastest? Hop, maybe hopping up and down the hall. We had like races where, uh, car, what do you call those races where you're, one of you is holding up the legs of another and that person is kind of walking on their hands. It's, a, it's like a cart. I feel like it might be called a cart race or something like that. Anyway, we also, one of the things that we did was we had this race around the dining room table. And as I think about this, if I think back on this now, I just cringe because everything we did that night was set up to be competitive. It was pitting us all against each other. And yes, sometimes that's a necessary and fun thing. I mean, kids love to, to win at something, but they don't love to lose very much and, and they need to learn to lose. I mean, that's part of life, but to, to, in this particular situation, it was just a huge mistake because the littlest or the slowest out of all four of us, these, these three other people that matter so much in our lives. And if you think, I mean, if I think about it, like they matter my husband and my children matter so much to me. And I know my husband feels the same way that we are the three most important people in each other's lives. But the boys, it's it goes even deeper than that. I mean, we're kind of their whole world at, at 10 and, and six or even nine and five, which is actually probably closer to when this took place. They, yes, you know, maybe they're in school, although our children were not and maybe they do sports. But these formative years, I mean, like 10, 11 and under, we are their their whole world. My husband's father passed away when he was eight and and it just it completely changed his whole world. We don't I think sometimes we don't realize that and it's good to stop and think about it because when you're when something shifts in your whole world, that is a tough thing. It's also tough when the three people who make up your entire world are better than you at racing around the dining room table, right? Now, a lot of times kids feel like it's tough to get mad at parents because they are like these gigantic global entities. So you might feel like, okay, I lost to my parents at this race around the dining room table, but I'm going to try my damnedest to beat my brother because he's on, he's a, he's a peer, he's an equal. And when, when Jay lost to Max, while racing around the dining room table, it just, it kind of shattered him. He really thought he could win, I think, first of all, but second of all, he, it just shattered him. And the, the, the thing I really want to get into is the fallout f- that happened after the race. So, so Jay sort of runs off and cries. Um, maybe there was some pouting involved and, and the, the, I think Max was, apologizing. Max was apologetic and Ben and I felt as so many parents do like, oh, you know, you have to learn how to lose. It's, it's, it's something you have to learn how to do. And it's true. It's very legitimate. It's true. But this was a tougher situation than that. It turned out that later, so Jay went off to pout and my husband and I kind of rolled our eyes at each other and said, oh, well, it's just this thing he's going to have to get over. And 
later, maybe an hour later, they're getting ready for bed. And Max came out to me. He was nine at the time. And he said he was crying. And he said, I was really trying to go slowly. I wanted to let Jay win. And as I'm thinking about this now, I remember that Jay felt that he, like Max was almost slowed to a walk. And Jay, I think, got the sense that Max was letting him win. And that made him even angrier. You know how that can be sometimes. So anyway, Max came to me later and he's in tears. And he says, I was trying to let Jay win because, and this just still gives me goosebumps, I was trying to let Jay win so that maybe he wouldn't tell me that he hated me anymore. I mean, oh my gosh, what a chilling thing to hear. So now I have a five-year-old son. We have a five-year-old son who's telling his big brother, maybe frequently, because he said anymore, that he hates him. And we, my husband and I, hadn't seen any of that. We hadn't, we didn't know that that was happening. And gosh, this just makes me feel, even today, it makes me feel so sad. So what we did about that was we had kind of a family conference that night. And we we tried to communicate that that if you have a problem with someone, if something's making you angry that your brother is doing, it's not a... It's much, much better and more constructive to say, I'm mad about this. You hurt my feelings when you said that. Because it's really both kids. There's there's one who's accepting that my, my brother hates me, and the other one who's so furious with everything that he's, that's just built up inside him that he's saying, I hate you. So to to kind of alleviate that, that's what we did. We, we tried to help the kids understand that they're on the same team and that we it's it's kind of us together as a team and believe me that was one of the last competitive you know type situations where the odds are clearly stacked against one person in the family who's just smaller and slower you know and we don't we don't do it that way anymore so so I wanted to read this part on page 207 of siblings without rivalry you're going to hear the book here we go you're going to hear me turning pages of this book but it's called You Are Some Team. You two are some team. And I really feel like this just reflects what we are trying to to say and do now with, with the boys. We don't pit them against each other anymore. And here's why. You two are some team. This, by the way, is a parent who is reporting on, on a success that he or she has had with the kids. I can't remember if it's a mom or a dad. We'll find out maybe. I used to set up little contests between my four-year-old twin girls whenever I wanted them to do something fast. I'd say, who can be the first to get dressed? Or who can be the first to put away her toys? Anything to get them moving. I'd get them moving all right, but the fallout was terrible. The winner would crow, nah, nah, I beat you. I'm sure that's a, you can guys can all remember that sound, right? And the loser would cry and be mad at her sister. Then I read the suggestion in Siblings Without Rivalry about saying, you two are some team, and I changed tactics. Now the contest is about the two of them beating the clock instead of each other. I'll say, I'm setting the timer for five minutes. Do you think you two can get your shoes and socks on before the buzzer goes off? That little change made a big difference. Now they giggle and rush and help each other. And whenever they beat the clock, whether they beat the clock or not, I still say, you two are some team. They light up when they hear that. And it makes me feel good too, because I figure that if they learn to work as a team now, when they're so young, they'll know how to pull together when they're older. I mean, what an endorsement. What a what a great thing to do to to influence how your kids treat each other so early on in life. So anyway, the next time you want to kind of pit one against the other, 
think about think about my little guy telling his big brother that he hated him and and don't <laughs> uh you know try something else try try a beat the clock kind of thing maybe or um have them united in trying to beat you maybe that's a, another way another thing to do although that does you know that maybe that satisfies the team aspect a little bit with a little bit of competition but maybe not you have to decide for yourself and by the way i'd love to hear what you come up with please uh go to the contact page at we turned out okay.com and let me know i i really would love to hear your stories about if you try something from this book and it worked or you know what what kind of sibling jealousy issues you got going on i'd love to hear about it and there's also there's so much about this book that I want to get into here, but we don't have a, enough time for everything. I can't just read the whole book to you as much as I wish I could. That's why you have to go out and read it yourself. But there's something else that's really basic that we parents do often, and that is equating equalness with fairness. Just think about that for a second. Like when when you have when they're both you're serving up, yeah, I don't know, pudding or something. And one of the kids says, hey, he got more than I did. You know, that happens like every day. Um, and it's so what do you do, right? You don't you don't want to say, oh, I'll just give you more because then you're just feeding the fire kind of a thing. And so something that Faber and Maslisch often do in this book, Siblings Without Rivalry, is to ask the parents in their workshops to think back on their own childhoods. And I want to read two stories related by parents about their own growing up. This is kind of that getting into equalness with fairness in, in the, because of the fact that kids aren't equal, our kids are not equal. Right. So anyway, think about that. I've got two, one is called the haircut and the other is called the haircut two. <laughs> and they're each one side of each coin of the coin. When I was little, this is the haircut. When I was little, I had thin wispy brown hair and my sister had a gorgeous gold mane that grew down to her waist. My father was always making a fuss over her hair. He called her his Rapunzel. One night while she was sleeping, I took my mother's sewing scissors, tiptoed over to her bed, and cut off as much hair as I could without waking her. The next morning, when my sister looked in the mirror, she let out a shriek. My mother came running in, took one look at her, and became hysterical. I tried to hide, but my mother found me. She screamed at me and hit me. She said my punishment was to stay in my room for the rest of the day and think about what I did. I suppose I was a little sorry, but not too much, because at least now we were equal." And then here comes the haircut too. In my family, I was the one with the pretty hair and my mother was the one with the compulsion to make things equal. She was determined that my sister and I would be treated exactly alike so there would be no cause for jealousy between us. One day she decided that because my sister didn't have curly hair, I shouldn't either. So she took me to the barber and had him cut off all my curls. I looked like a plucked chicken. For the rest of the day, I cried and cried and wouldn't talk to anyone. Even now, I find it hard to forgive my mother for what she did. Trying to get them to be equal. It doesn't, it doesn't always work, does it? So what's the solution? How do you make things fair without striving to make everything equal? And the answer that Faber and Maslisch give is so simple, but it seems so elusive. I mean, you're in this situation. What do you do? Well, this is the answer that they give. You emphasize what's special about each child. You reinforce the message that there's only one of that child. What would you do without him or her? And I've seen this work in my own life. Um, as I think about some of the, sometimes some of the jealousy that, that comes in uh, where, where one of them will say, oh, you know, Max is so much better than me at this 
thing. I can't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm blanking on an example right now because we haven't had this problem in a really long time because, because what happened, what happened when, or what's happened every time that Jay has come to me or Max has come to me with something that the other one has or has been able to do or has kind of just because of being older or younger or whatever interest they have, you know, there's a little bit of jealousy sometimes in that. And what I do is I say, oh my gosh, you know, if they're saying like, I want to be Max, I wish I could be Max. I would say, what would I do without my J? What would I do without your laugh? What would I do without all your drawings? What would I do without like our tickle fights? Um, Or any number of things. And by the time I'm done coming up with five or six things, I'm, I'm engulfed in a hug, uh, you know, this, or, or at the very least, I've got a child who is kind of sagging with relief, just sort of feeling like, oh, thank goodness. You know, I'm special. The, the message that kids need to get is that they are special for their own special things. And that you wouldn't believe the, 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 how quickly that can help alleviate jealousy. It's okay for somebody else to have his special things or her special things, as long as you have yours. So with whatever words work best for you, you want to help each child understand how important their specialness is for you. And I want to just tell a little story about, I think my mom must have read this book before it was written, because when I was a kid, she did so many of the things in this book that are just crucial. And the, by the way, this book gets into so much more than just this, this one or two issues I've talked about here. But anyway, I was the oldest and everybody, when, when I was three and my new baby brother came along, everybody would coo over him. He was a, he actually was a beautiful baby, these huge big eyes. And he was just really super engaging. And, you know, he would stop traffic, my, my baby brother. He was adorable. And while others cooed over him and, oh, you know, let me hold him and whatever. My mother would talk to me just quietly. She'd be off to the side. Everybody else would be like Googling over the baby. And my mother would take me aside and she would just say all these neat things, like the great things that I could do, that I was, how beautiful she thought I was, um, how I could run so fast and I could, I don't know, play with the dog or something in ways that the baby couldn't yet. And it really really helped. My brothers and I had a really great, have continued to have a fantastic sibling relationship. I think we always, we always felt like we were on the same team. I mean, obviously there's going to be some jealousy. Both my brothers could play ice hockey and I couldn't, I was, I came in the era of before girls, it was accepted that girls could play ice hockey. How would we handle the locker room, all that kind of stuff. But, but I still had, I had a great time. I, I played field hockey. I, you know, I enjoyed my childhood. I'm not trying to complain but there were definitely some differences and some jealousies and that kind of thing and um and the three of us have a great sibling relationship now and I'm really just so incredibly thankful for that I've got a team of people who who just I don't know we can look at each other and make each other laugh with one word sometimes it's great and it really started from the time that my my middle brother was standing over my, our baby brother's crib and saying, I want you to go back where you came from. My mother looked at that and, and just knew that she had to do something. Actually, what she did was she talked to her pediatrician and her pediatrician said, or there are pediatrician really. And he said, you know what? Like, let it, let the baby cry. You know, if you're having a special time with, with your middle son, you know, your first son, firstborn son, 
who was five at the time. I mean, just really prime time for jealousy. Uh, it, it, the, the doctor's recommendation was spend some time with him and let him see that he is important. If the baby starts crying, you, you say to your, you know, your five-year-old, we're going to let the baby cry because this is too important for me to leave. Whatever we're doing here, if we're drawing or if we're sharing a meal or if we're, I don't know, going out to the garden to pick peas, who knows, right? But the message that that boy got was, you are as important to me in your own special way as anyone could ever be. And I love you. And that's the kind of thing that you want to try and foster. And so we are, uh, we're wrapping up here. And as we do wrap up, I just, I really want to hear your stories. I'd love to know how do you handle sibling jealousy when it happens in your house? What do you do about it? Does it work? And uh, another question I have for you is what was it like in your house growing up? Please tell me about it. I mean, I've heard stories. Um, our, our, one of the librarians at our library told this story recently to my kids and I about the kind of siblings rivalry issues that they had in their house growing up. And she said that one, there was one time where she poured a container of glitter into her brother's bed <laughs> to retaliate because her brother had stuck. Uh, she, she, he had said to her, I'm going to, I'm going to spray your hair with hairspray. And instead he sprayed it with like a dye. He turned her hair like green or something. And so to retaliate for that, she poured glitter into his bed um, I mean, people have some great, like in, in retrospect, they, they're quite close now. They're good friends now, but, um, it, you know, in retrospect, like it, those things can be often be funny, but at the time I'm sure it was not funny. It was, it was a pretty upsetting thing, I'm sure. So what was it like in your house growing up and how do you handle the sibling issues that come up with your kids now? I'd love it if you'd head over to weturnedoutokay.com slash contact we are working on getting comments going for blog posts and podcast episodes at the website. And I, I swear to God, I don't know what it is. Sometimes you can see them. You can see a place to comment and sometimes they're not there. They like pick whatever posts they want to appear. So I feel like the blog post that is up today, which is actually about the Fabulous Five, uh, today, Thursday, uh, whatever day this is, May 20, 21st, I think, the blog post that's up today I think has actual comments and Daniel Wolf's uh, episode six of the podcast, which was up on Tuesday, that also seemed to have a place to leave a comment. I would love to hear your comments. So please do that. Uh, bear with us while we figure out the comments. And if you feel like if you can't write a comment right on the post, then go over to we turned out okay.com slash contact and Tell me about it there. I'm also on Twitter at Stone Age Techie, and I cannot wait to hear your stories. Also, if you've got questions, please get in touch with me with those. I really want to help you all with your sibling jealousy issues. It's what I'm here for. Anyway, friends and folks, you've been listening to episode seven of We Turned Out Okay. I really hope today's show gave you a new idea to try or a new way to have fun with your littles. If you found it helpful and you think other parents would too, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and maybe leave us a review. Five-star reviews help this show get noticed, and that helps me get other parents just like you the help that, that they need. Please support the show in this way. And it isn't just about help. It's about entertainment. It's about feeling like part of a community. It's about the fun we can, the stories we can share with each other and just the fun we can have together. So please support the show in this way. Special thanks today to our producer, 
the man who recently caught three rainbow trout in the morning and turned them into our fabulous dinner that same night. 17-time Husband of the Year Award winner, Benjamin Culp. Thanks, everybody, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want a date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,